0: Well, welcome back to the podcast. My name is Jack Jackie Atlas and this is also Brandon with me.
1: Well you can call me Baron, because you know a Bar- is on. very popular these. Britain. Baron. Baron. Yeah. <laughs> well folks, this is gonna be the third podcast that we've done and this will will be a bit more uh lay back than the other two because <laughs> uh, both of us are very very very
0: very heavily influenced as you well about me like <laughs> I'll say I'm yeah. semi-influenced at the least You're supposed to take one for the team man <laughs> you want to know something I'm, I can take one I can take one for the I don't fucking know anyways um, <laughs> first um, first segment <laughs> I give up with life First segment, what do I do? Shoot myself or hang myself? It's an existential one, you know what I mean? Fucking hell. That's it. As much as I budget that. I'm having an existential (laughs) crisis!
1: God. Well, this is why this podcast will be music-oriented, because there's nothing more perfect in life than listen to some good old music. Oh yeah, definitely. Without doubt. Judging from what you've been like for the last couple of weeks, you found a favorite um, mus- uh, band, the yeah. that you love to show us. Oh
0: yeah. So why don't you? It's um, well, it's a band from Australia called King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard.
1: Very funky. Yeah, King
0: that? Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. I'll just call them King Gizzard or King Gizzard.
1: Uh, for short.
0: And um, <laughs> <Excuse> they—I <me. laughs> literally thought that was a fucking dog there. I was like, what the fuck. God, you should hear what I'm like when we fucking uh I, stutter. I, sound, I literally sound like a fucking <laughs> <His eye. laughs> But um yeah, it's um King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. They're mostly a psychedelic band. Class mm-hmm. mostly under psych- psychedelic. But uh, Are they more of a modern band by any chance? Oh no, they they sound like something you were discovering in like your dad's old like you know, days when he was like a hippie and everything
1: ah oh, so it sounds like it's kind of the music engineering from like the 60s and 70s but were this was this band like relatively new relatively new you can tell i've been drinking yeah, <laughs> relatively new though. <laughs> like i'll say early 2000s 10s and all that
0: yeah they started around then that's when they came out with um uh 12 bar brews i believe it was
1: uh, which I, like, I first studio album, which is it's it. the
0: first. It's a good first impression, but it doesn't leave an impression on me, if you know what I mean. But we'll get to that in the tier segment. But uh, yeah, King Gizzard uh-huh. Um and my current favorite album by them, apart from their latest one, "Fishing for Fishies," which is a pretty funky name, and I like it. Um, <laughs> they have is they have um, another album. Called Nonagon Infinity. Okay. And what Nonagon Infinity does is, um, have you ever heard of, um, you know, Lou Reed? Oh yeah, I recognise that. Yeah, Lou Reed. Um, he made an experimental album. I forgot the name. It was mm-hmm. like Machine Motor Machine, something like that. I fucking. I don't know.
1: Are you saying this band has that similar kind of uh, signature sound? Do they oh, always yeah. stay consistent with those abilities throughout each album or did it change up like some bands that we know do?
0: Um well, you see with that is they've never had a lineup change.
1: All ah, right, they kept they kept the original members up here And um, dude, you he know
0: they have two drummers. Nice one. They have two drummers. Basically they're both credited as being in the band, right? And in um, "Flying Microtonal Banana," the other album that they've got, what it, mm-hmm. what um, it is is um, since it's microtonal music, since Stu from King is slotted fucking uh, what's it called? He slotted um, frets into his um, guitar, so you play microtones.
1: Oh, okay. So it's kind of like a little—you yeah. know
0: how you have tones.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Uh huh. You know, what? between the tones, you have semitones. Yes. Well, between the semitones, there's microtones. Okay. And it's it's not it's not usually used in Western music.
1: Hmm.
0: Um. Well, it's not like uh,
1: French, imagine, you know what I mean?
0: Well, sorry, Eastern music. Our our music, it's used in like. India's, like, Bachra, I've fucking probably butchered that um, pronunciation, (laughs) but it's, like, you know, Indian music. Most of that can be Mm -hmm. microtonal.
1: Well, uh, Indian music does play a big part in, like, the history of psychedelic rock, as forced me memory recollects, you know what I mean, uh, with the uh, specific instruments that's used for Indian music, that gives that um, kind of, like, like, Iconic instrumental sound that you hear yeah. whenever you do listen to like new music, no matter what history or part of culture of it, life you recognize. Yeah. If you hear like a certain like a uh, there's an instrument which uh, name escapes me, the but S- George Harrison used sitar. to play it all the time. The sitar. The sitar, that's the one. Like if you hear that in like some uh, good temple drum beats, you know that's Indian based. So I'd imagine King Gizzard uses inspirations from that kind of instrumental take on music oh, for okay. their um, discovery. All right, well, that's good um, one because uh, because that's practically like um, from what some psychedelic stuff I uh, used to listen to back in the day would definitely have that in their input of uh, sound yeah, engineering yeah. for the music. I would say one of the that makes it sound very essential.
0: I would say one of the most psychedelic albums they have released, apart from I'm in Your Mind Fuzz, is Gumboot Soup. Okay, um, because like you got songs like Beginner's Look and Muddy Waters and. It's all heavily psychedelic influence. You can, you can just like, you can smell it in the song, sort of say. You can just be like, ah, I see. But um, <laughs> my favorite album by them is Nonagon Infinity*. And like I was saying, um, I can. They've done the thing what Lou Reed did back in the day. He created an album called um, *Metal Machine Music*. Okay. It was an experimental noise album. You know, no, noise music. Yeah, yeah. It was um, it was an experimental noise music, um, except that the album was it it it, it was a loop, I think. All right. When I mean the loop, I mean like the last track and the last few notes are wired into like the f- beginning of the first song. So if you had if you had the C- a CD format, that didn't like you know pause every time that you, that a new song played it would uh, be, it would go on and on and on a loop. It's uh, Infinity album, as I call it.
1: Is this, um, these guys like change like um, in terms of lyrical and uh, thematic sense, do they always stick to like the motivation? Let's say like Tool, for instance, you know how you have to listen to like the album from like uh, the first track to the end and you can't like have like one song out of the other. Yeah. It's this one of those bands, by chance, where you have to listen to the whole experience to enjoy the whole picture.
0: Not really. You can get into them with some songs, such as um, Rattlesnake, which is the most popular... I think it's the most popular song from Flying like, Microtonal Banana. Okay. Which I can't blame for. It's really fucking catchy. It's repetitive and it's catchy. It's basically like, a, you know, your basic song structure. Yeah. but catching his um, songs in
1: general, no matter how like high quality it is, it always gets people like, you know, like in the mood for it. It could be like, you know, like your typical radio songs, well, it could be like, you know, actual good bands. You know what I mean? Because um, that ends up being like the more popular hit songs, you know what I mean? Like single hits. Anyway, you were saying uh, me? Um
0: There's actually a little bit of um like um music theory I'm gonna lay on you here. Huh? and okay, so a true true. fact loads of people have um, said um, what do you call it that they <sighs> enjoy pop songs right and the ideal tempo for a pop song is 120 to 125 beats per minute okay so take Carly Ray Jepsen Call Me Maybe that's the same tempo alright yeah, it's um, it's uh, 120 BPM. I think it's 120. I was say, uh, it doesn't
1: look the same as the heartbeat? You, like, your uh, heartbeat when it comes to, like the, yeah. you know, the drum and all that.
0: Heartbeat tries to follow follow music, believe it or not.
1: Yeah, well, that's how you get like the uh, well, the groove is one might say.
0: Because we all
1: like um, out of the two of us, that you definitely know more about like the uh, music theory and like. Um, how it's constructed in a way because the best example is like that you can like read music one would say well i'm a good example of someone who just pers- listens to it from like an outsider's perspective like what i enjoy what i really admire from this kind of music uh, and the eloquency of like whatever band like produces such fine music and uh what makes so far from what i'm hearing because i never heard of this band until you told me recently is that um, they're really good recommendation for a band that doesn't rely on uh let's say like soulless approach if that makes sense like um like you yeah, know yeah, like I I
0: get li- what you mean um like they don't cash in on trends and everything like how everybody's <laughs> how like every most artists now are cashing in on the trap trend
1: oh yeah like it's literally good it's just big money you know what i mean that's that's practically that's how it goes down to yeah, I mean, like I mean, the mainstream.
0: Music. Around, like his host is um, Old Town Roads, but that's because it's a fucking meme. Because he's got oh, the host in the back.
1: <laughs> only only meme I like for music is Death Grips, my man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lord. <laughs> Christ. Uh, I've I'm going off touch there, but there's a fairy. Because this is topical and all there's a theory that you know the new slipknot member uh tortilloman or whatever the uh people call him online apparently that's the drummer for, uh supposedly it's the drummer for uh death grips Hill. i believe that's his name <laughs> uh, he's supposed to be the tor- the new per- uh, percussionist for slipknot because obviously chris fenn got fired like months ago because of the lawsuit so he's like in a, t- in a way no longer part of the band so apparently he's filling he's filling in for the gaps until they get like a new person in, or he is the new prominent member. And if if, 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 if it is true because they're trying to keep it anonymous and it does turn out to be like Sack Hill, who's Tortilla Man, that would be one of the most funniest uh, things uh, to just like happen this year. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes, MC Definitely
0: empty and ends up um, fucking replacing fucking, what's his name? Corey oh, Taylor. That, that would be something <laughs> I <I'd felt. laughs>
1: Speed out speed
0: it out Oh god Thank I am a piece of my worship <laughs> <laughs> Fucking um I love Death Ripped <laughs> Um But um what was that? Uh, fucking Not a Infinity, it's an infinity album so it loops the entire <laughs> album loops and it all fits well together because you can't tell where the cracks are in the songs. Unless you listen to them, like, individually, like, in nonsensical order. And that sounds Mm -hmm. like a regular problem, but if you listen to them chronologically, um, or, you know, numbered, you you get a big fucking shock.
1: So it's it's like one blast experience.
0: And that fucking big shock is, um, what do you call it, it all fits together?
1: So does it keep it, it like... um, driven, like, would you say, like, music-wise? Oh, do the lyrics, do the lyrics
0: oh, make sense? Driven, mate. It's wow. like... You, I don't know if they actually did, but it sounds what they did. What they did is it sounds like they've, um... did a full take of the album. Just like, you know, like, takes when they're recording. It sounds like they did the whole album in one sitting right and like hold on no I'll um tell you how long the album actually is
1: Lock yourself up man.
0: because there's um what do you call it yeah the um the album is designed to be played as an infinite loop where you the record the record record <sighs> the hell I've been drinking. um the, rec- the record can mm-hmm. be played front to back back to front to back. Front to back, two front to back, and it, it and the sound just won't break.
1: That sounds like Beatles uh, levels of production for you, there.
0: But like Revolver, when the what do you call it bas- back masked a uh, few songs.
1: Aye, yeah, I think that that was one of their albums that like literally you can play it in a loop. You? Aye, um,
0: let's have a look. Um, Lord of Lightning. No, that's uh, Murder of the Universe, which is also another good album but <laughs> I've always stuck with Nonagon infinity personally um the album is 41 minutes 41 minutes and 45 seconds long
1: yeah pretty decent feature length that
0: I but like think back to what I was saying it sounds like they did the entire album in one sitting one take mm-hmm
1: takes some uh, talent for someone who wants to keep it like you know like uh Compassionate enough to keep it all in one like uh, atmospheric Aye. tone, as opposed to just changing like you know like song to song to like it, it mood swings. If that makes sense, like they kept it, they kept the tone consistent. I think that's what like makes like a uh, an album sufficient. Like what you're describing. Aye. I mean, look, one of good examples is uh, the Who Tommy. That's like a story from beginning to end, and it has the same uh, like it has the same like music, like lyrics going well and well together. It sounds like the band that you recommended to us now is very uh, well produced I know in what that kind of category.
0: I know what the fuck they're doing, basically.
1: Yeah, they don't have any like uh, polished production. Like you know, like when they try and like re-edit some of the sounds to make it sound different from the other albums, vice versa. You know what I mean? Or they don't change the like entire genre, or like are way of playing music whether it could be guitars or drum beats or whatever you want to call it yeah um, here's a good one um, what are the first or like handful of entry level albums or LOPs or whatever you want to uh, decide would you recommend to like anyone who wants to get themselves into like uh, King Gizzard or overall modern psychedelic
0: um, I would say I would say for King Gizzard I would either say Flying and Mike Total Banana that's mm-hmm. another album, and plus, there's not many bands that go on Mike Returnal that are from, um, that are not from like Asian culture and Indian okay. culture. Um, I would say, like, um, also not a God Infinity, obviously, because like you want to get a never ending psychedelic experience. Um, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Um, and also fucking, oh, what's the names? I'm trying to think of the, the latest uh, album, Fishing for Fishies. Fishing for Fishies is really fucking good. I don't know. Fishing for Fishies. It's, it's a stellar album. It's got a few hiccups in songs, but it's forgivable.
1: This is what I was going to uh, jump onto now. Are they, do they have any like um, moments where some songs are, in this case, track lists?
0: So, um, anyways, Brandon, what what would be your musical recommendation? I've done I've done I've done gushing about uh King Gizzard for <laughs> for just a little while. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, just to finish my uh question, um, before we move on to mine uh, yeah. album recommendation, which I hopefully want to make into a, like a con- uh, continuous segment. Uh, well, do you band have um like King Gizzard and the um. Do they have any moments of where their songs, like in some albums or like singles, do they just feel like complete filler until like you get to the? I more would say musical.
0: Oddments and Quarters feels a bit fillerish. Okay. Oddments and Quarters. That's the only things I can think of because some of them are pretty good. Like I like Gumboot Soup, but it's not exactly like my favorite. It is good, but it's not. I have better. I have a better. I have a better taste, so to say.
1: I'm better, you don't know when. I'll tell you all
0: I'll tell you all (laughs) Anyways (laughs) I think I know What your recommendation is Surprise me, come on
1: Squeeze me Macaroni Macaroni.
0: Yeah So
1: (laughs) Put that in the bloody um, Strip club in North East And you'll make a killing Just make sure oh. you just make sure you keep the bloody um what's what's the name of those um people again? Uh jugglers, that's it. Just keep the jugglers right. away from that this.
0: And then oh, we'll yeah. be all right. <laughs> uh, but yeah,
1: um to all of our non-juggalo fans out there, what I'm gonna try and do is uh whenever we can get a segment where we recommend one classic album that we find to be really good that we want to use to check it out if you haven't already. And for the first one we want to decide is Mr Bungle's uh, 1987 debut album Mr, Mr. Bungle,
0: Bungle. <laughs> the self-titled
1: exactly dude that that's uh, just its craziness it in one album it's just, it is. it's everything it's goofy it's campy it's cheesy it's well written it's well performed the editing I'm is perfect. just perfect and the best part it's all those albums that has a trackless continue on the next one it doesn't have any like random cuts mm have any like moments where it feels out of place despite it being very out there and downright, you know, like, uh, well, circus levels of like, you know, cheesiness. Oh it's yeah. I mean, it's kind of, it kind of give like birth to like its own, um, interpretation of scar metal, if one can call it. I personally think of it as like one of those fantastic, uh, experiment albums, especially given what, um, the band has brought to this debut album. Uh, the mm. band itself, the bungle, is great and it's right. But this first album, there's just something about it that makes it so iconic in my like, uh, in my eyes. Especially oh, when you okay. have like a Carousel and Egg, it's obviously my first.
0: <laughs> well, it's just a fucking. It's just a. Is it a quart? Is it a, like a three-quarter beat? <laughs> it's just Egg. Egg. No. <laughs> egg. Yeah.
1: <laughs> like, I that the beginning that. oh uh, I
0: fucking um, i fucking listened to Mr. Bungle a lot I mean come on Mike Patton's one of my favourite like guys from music
1: yeah yeah and I remember you talking so much about him over the months man so oh, obviously I... he's got a place in our hearts you know what I mean we right, need, um, we need to skip this one we definitely need to, uh, not skip the one most important part about the album it's downright bizarre fucking album cover mate it is <laughs> It's I was like always a, freaked out. It reminds it, us of the
0: clown from, it reminds us of the clown from Dead by Daylight. It really does. <laughs> Just like a down looking motherfucker.
1: You know what? I, I'm going to take it back. I think album covers like that should be more, like, prominent in oh, his yeah. music. I suppose, like, you know, like a massive, like, you know, like, he- highly filtered photography and then someone adds effects to it later. I think most albums should look as, illustri- well, Illustrated is that album cover because that literally screams how thematic the uh, album is with that image. It, so
0: it literally just... is, sir, one of the tracks literally is just circus music.
1: Yeah. Literally, that's that's the theme. It's this fucking carnival music. I wow. mean, for crying out loud, one of the songs is called Carousel, you know what I mean, so. And you take...
0: okay. one of my favourite personal tracks is Girls of Porn because it's just so fucking stupid.
1: Ah. It's it's like
0: my you know,
1: like uh, so <laughs> It's like one well, of those songs, you know, when you put in there between two songs that's obviously gonna be more featured, like let's say like uh corn by pitching when you have like Lowrider or Pono Creep in between uh, like the segments of the tracks. It felt like one well, of those songs, but it just felt so good at the same time. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I lo- I, especially because... Like, um like, the reason I would recommend this to people is that if you want metal, but you don't want it to be like traditional, uh, like 70s metal, like Judas Priest or more, and you don't want to be like towards the new metal side of things like Mudvayne or Deftones, oh, but okay. you want something that's truly ex- like out there, but it's not too extreme, but it's just in, uh, enough for it to be its own niche. Mm. Definitely start with Mr. especially if you're already a fan of metal or oh, yeah. just like, you know, like I mean, metal like- with
0: one of my favorite scar metal bands is either uh Big Real Fish or fucking um Less Than Jake.
1: Yeah. that's us <laughs> Jake. I recognized that one before. Uh
0: Jake <laughs> are the one who sing uh, All My Friends of Metalheads.
1: That's the one, yeah. Uh, is...
0: when that sings, when it was,
1: um Brown Weaver. Is that Primus by a chance? Sorry? Who sings winner's Big Brown Beaver? Um oh. Primus, yeah, and um, they, oh they always remind me, and like it's weird because when I, years ago I always used to listen to those two back, back to back, um, before I moved on, like you know, me over bands at the time, Aye. and they remind me of Diet Coke off, like, uh, the Coke called the Mr. Bungle, if that makes sense. Oh, but I definitely recommend, um, Mr. Bungle. Oh, for that I'm out. Uh, what-
0: if you like. Obviously, you Squeeze Me Mataroni is so your favourite song, but have you got any other, like, um, favourites?
1: It's honestly just that song, mate, because I always uh, that's what introduced me to that band, and I'm always going to have it as me number one.
0: All right. Um, I would uh, definitely say, for me, um, from that album, would either definitely be Girls of Porn, uh, fucking, what's the one that? is? They... I'm trying to think what it's called. Um, not My Ass Is it, On Fire. That's the one, my ass, yeah. My ass is on fire. It's funny, like, I'm not going to lie, but it's not, like, something I would... Well, like, the like,
1: um, this music doesn't t- make itself look like high art. It doesn't take itself to, like, pretentious levels of seriousness. It's just... It, it's aware of its goofiness. It goes along with the fun. And that's what I love about this album because it makes you want to be involved in this. It keeps you very energetic and it's exciting. But it's not, like, something that you listen, like, if you... Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. If you, like, put on freaking you know, like high levels of music that people always take themselves like up there. It's not avant garde. It's just its own unconventional thing. And it's like a spinning wheel of madness. I love it. And yes, one, my, um, is my voice. <laughs> that's the that's the that's the song, um fucking Love is a Love is a Fist. Love is a
0: fist, yeah. Love is a fist is fucking great. I think it's great. Um, obviously it's not Squeeze Me Macaroni levels are fucking good but it's in my it gets there so to say I
1: personally think it's a close second because it does have that same like uh, catchiness to it I reckon
0: mm.
1: uh, yeah, I've got half it for I reckon I mean most of the songs do anyway you know what I mean they jump from one moment where you think it's going one pathway and then it goes totally backwards with itself I love it Especially with squeeze macaroni, when you have the bit where it goes you know what I mean? Uh, fucking laugh me of that. I mean, when I heard that. I remember when I showed my friend cream
0: the corn, eggs, and was born. And just like and just like um what do you call him, Mike Patton doing like several stupid fucking voices while he sings.
1: Well that's a thing as well, he doesn't rely on one focal range or or, or voice range, you could say. And just goes like totally high or low one point or another. I
0: mean, uh, the guy does, um, did voice work for The Darkness, the video games.
1: All right. Yeah. The, he the
0: uh, yeah. Fucking hell. The guy can screech.
1: <laughs> well, that just shows how talented he really is, isn't he? He can oh, go from yeah. like just downright screaming to like screeching to like actual like good harmony voice. Um, I don't know much about how, what focal ranges are categorized, but you know how you have people like Freddie Mercury and, uh, George Michael will have like different ranges of voice and like they can oh. hit the high notes. I think uh, Michael Patton is pretty much up there
0: if he oh, can yeah. Definitely, without a doubt. Um, so, any final words on yours? On yours?
1: Honestly, I can't. I can't give this uh, album enough justice without saying go and like either purchase or listen to it firsthand. You won't be disappointed with the chaos that it gives you. And it's not um, chaos in terms of like a mess, it's literally all intentional craziness, and you'll love it. It'll make you feel like you want to like join a freaking circus gang or you just want to like go <laughs> on a club and just go totally autistic <laughs> in the good way, obviously.
0: Go totally it's, acoustic,
1: yeah. It's one of the best 80s, um, metal related albums, I'd say, and it's definitely mm-hmm. its own distinct, uh, distinctive style and taste. It can't be. Um, some people might not be a big fan of the circus like music but I I grew up, I love that kind of stuff and I grew over for years and years that one album alone. So right. it's definitely doing something right in terms of quality. Anyway um, should we move on to our next segment?
0: Yeah the next segment is um fucking it's my it's my tier list isn't
1: it um we're talking about like um That would be the last segment, but the second be The worst franchises slash tropes in movies.
0: (laughs) Well, you know what the, you know what the, you know what the number one rule in a horror movie is, don't you?
1: (laughs) Don't have sex.
0: (laughs) Don't have have sex. Don't do Don't drink or do drugs. What's the last Mm -hmm. one? What? Don't say I'll be back. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say this to the audience <laughs> because Brandon knows how much I love this film. I'll be right back. I'll be right back. <laughs> be right back. <laughs> oh, and and I told you I'd be right back. Be right back.
1: Oh, Seems like a decent franchise.
0: Uh, yeah, Scream's fucking fantastic. And the fact it's got Matthew Lillard in it, it makes it even better because that guy's underrated as fuck.
1: He's definitely an underrated character. Um, oh. And uh, it's a good horror parody series as well. Like satire done right. Not like movie or like what spoof movies end up becoming. It does the tropes justice while also paying homage. Yeah, having a laugh now and then. And it's actually it's a, a good a- overall movie.
0: It's a horror Except film that for- recognised its own like tropes and that.
1: Yeah. I think especially the first when, two were good for what they were and the fourth uh, one was a good touch.
0: Especially when Ghostface was like standing behind, uh, I forgot the character's name, but he's watching the horror movie. He's like, oh, just look behind you. Oh, but, Randy. Uh, Randy. Yeah.
1: The the movie freak.
0: yeah. <laughs> uh, but he's just like, oh, look behind you. He's right behind you. Why aren't you looking behind you? And then, he's, and then he just doesn't realise that Ghostface is behind him. So he's just like,
1: huh? <laughs> <laughs> My my favorite scene will have to be when um, when he's like everyone's a suspect, everyone, and then Billy and like obviously uh, Stu comes in next to him, like how do we not know your killer? And then he's like, no, this is the millennium. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> I laughed me head off when everyone thought like you know because by then people didn't know who the actual killer was. While also like the movie trying to make it obvious it was Billy, uh, but obviously the twist is it is Billy and all that. But like spoilers, but <laughs> it's just so. It's execute so sort of hilarious and well done. That like obviously you're in for a good ride. And it's a good oh, slash run. Um,
0: um, but I have to say one of the worst film franchises, and I can't believe I'm saying this because I hold these games dear to my heart. Mm-hmm. is the Silent Hill games. Not the Silent Hill games, those are fucking great. Um the Silent Hill movies. The first one, okay, right, I'll give it to you. The first one was great. It was like its own little mm-hmm. thing. Fair enough. It's all good. But um, the second one was a fucking travesty. Yeah.
1: Well, video game movies tend to not be like done really well. You know what I mean? Like you might have one off, like Mortal Kombat, which people might enjoy for different reasons. Oh, but, yeah. Annihilation was awful. Aye, first one I'm talking about. By the way, not the sequel. Right. <laughs> In well,
0: case you okay, see, fucking an Annihilation, fucking disgusting. Yeah.
1: Hold your horses! I know you'd be right back, but you have to hold your horses too. Hold your ah. horses. <laughs> but yeah um, yeah. what we're going to be talking about here people is like the worst movie franchises that we personally feel like shouldn't have never come to light, should never even been a thing, and, or if it was, should be uh, done much better um, yeah. including tropes if we want to add on to that as well because uh, oh my god, today's DNA is just too many cliches to even count and that's oh, yeah. not even the big horror tropes <laughs> If that's the cheese that's the most cliched ones of them all at this point
0: Aye. Um, um. what's it called um I'm trying to think what he's um called um oh there's another movie series that I did not like oh yeah by the way. Have you heard there's a new Doom movie coming out? Lovely. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> when you <laughs> like they've made Doom Guy like a woman. Like, fair enough, I don't have problems if you're recasting, but like they're doing it because of the walk movement.
1: I think we can all establish now that uh, Hollywood has not only run out of ideas, but it's just banking on the same bloody political agenda that they've been doing for years, mates. I mean at this point, I'm not. I'm not even surprised. I'll, I'll be surprised if there hasn't been any IP left that they haven't untouched with this contemporary politics bullshit. You know what I mean? Uh, but that's another uh, discussion for for another time, man. If we right. if we if we, were, if we were talking about that, I'll be here ranting about the new Terminator movie till like age twenty or nine or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, I do apologize, people, but uh, my voice is losing it, but. Damn it. We're we'll going to do this podcast, whether I lose my voice or not.
0: We're going to do Parker.
1: <laughs> Spider Man, his voice cracking a cookie jar.
0: He's <laughs> fake. He's full of shit. It's <laughs> a cookie jar. Um, everybody. Oh, that. Speaking of which, the Amazing Spider Man films. That's a bad franchise.
1: Personally, they could have done really well if they tried to build more lore and didn't go straight into the origin story. Mm. And they had like a more, they let Mark Webb do his own thing, if that makes sense. Because I know the second movie, they they studio meddled the hell out of that film and it just turned out into this perfect mess that we know of it now. Uh, so yeah, it's a franchise that didn't need to reboot like four years later. And Sony should have just, you know, listened to Sam Raimi and let him do his fourth movie. They should oh, never have ever like cancelled or like screwed around with his uh, franchise. Because he are, uh... already did like two good movies and one decent movie. Fair you know enough, Spider Man Brees not liked, but it did have good elements to it. And we still know, had how, hope um, for
0: it. For... Fucking what's its name? You know how Venom like the Venom film that Sony did didn't um, was like <laughs> not owned by Marvel. I would love yeah. if there was a fucking post credit a post credit post credit scene where fucking like it's just like a daily a guy reading the Daily Bugle um what's it called? A Daily Bugle um <laughs> newspaper, right? It's just like, uh, right. Another menace. And he just puts it down and it's JK Simmons in full J Jonah garb, right? And he's like, We got it we already got Spider Man around right here. We don't need another web freak. And then he's just like Butter come here. <laughs> and then fucking Peter Parker, Toby Maguire comes in, he's like an editor now or something, not just a photographer, he's like a, a chief photographer. And he's just mm. like he's got like a fucking stubble and everything. He's like, Parker, I need you to take pictures of this menace. <laughs> that would be a good post credit thing. Just bring back know. fucking bring back <laughs> good old JK Simmons and uh I don't know
1: not know you're gonna say that, mate. How do I not know you're gonna say that? Like, imagine
0: um, that shit though that would be fucking that would be so fucking cool
1: you never know man I mean apparently uh, from what I've been told J.K. Simmons uh, Spoilers has a cameo in the new Spider-Man movie like post credits apparently so you never know
0: he better not be a villain or recasted he's the perfect J. Jonah <laughs> no no he,
1: he's plays J. Jonah Jameson apparently Well, I've been told by a mate of mine who watched it already that um, he plays J. Jonah Jameson as well, again, but in the post credit scene as a cameo, so uh, I guess need, Marvel
0: made the right choice <laughs> We still need William the Four um, fucking playing Green Goblin
1: Our boy, Fruitcake Goblin, yeah Fruitcake, <laughs> fruitcake. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You're pathetically predictable
1: I have a G Fruitcake and you
0: came in my face And you came in my face <laughs>
1: uh. Anyway, we're going off tangent, <laughs> as much as my voice crackers, Um Movie franchise, I, I'll tell you one that should never existed. Um, it's horror related. Um, I think movies like... Sleep
0: away? No, Feast.
1: that's actually, Sorry. Feast. Um, <laughs> I thought you said or something. Um, that's
0: actually pretty good horror.
1: Well, Feast, no. Nah. I think they're just junk stock think, movies no, for the sick. No, bit.
0: no, no. I said Camp Sleep Away.
1: Oh yeah, we'll talk about horrors on another day. I'm talking about piece of shit. Franchises should never exist. I
0: said it um, for a joke. Um but um
1: No <laughs> am right, not gonna censor you? <laughs>
0: like um what would what'd you say?
1: Oh sorry, um I'm having a stroke right now. Um yeah, it was feast. Um I f- forgot what the other one was called. Uh was it wrong turn? Yeah. Those ones, <laughs> even though they are funny in terms of how over the top gory they are. I personally think they shouldn't have been a thing either. Hostel, that's a little bit of a controversial one because I know people like the first movie, but I think that's
0: just. I that's like just, it because shit. it it does what Saw doesn't. It doesn't. It's not afraid to like get really nitty and gritty. While Saw's like, oh look at all these technical traps and all these con- contraptions. While Saw's just like the cut a guy's Achilles' heels and say, if you can make it out of the door, you can leave
1: personally if I wanted like uh, a thriller intense like a uh, game like, like cat and mouse game that relies on technical like you know industrial traps that can kill you I think films like Cube does it like uh, just Cube. more Turtle. justice Hostel Turtle seems Turtle. like I was gonna say like Hostile just seems like a freaking Eli Roth's like you know like uh, take on David Cronenberg times 100 I'm just not a fan of that kind of stuff especially because there's a fine line in my opinion between horror and just borderline go fest it, I know. I understand the definition of horror: like you, you, freak someone out, or like you make them feel disturbed. Fair enough, but literally, it, it's like they don't rely on the quality of writing. Even if the concept may seem good on paper, it just comes off as just like, "What the hell am I watching?" Yeah, you may get some bloodthirsty people out there, and be like, "Yeah." I mean, I used to be like eight years ago when I used to watch like Hatchet. There's another one, Hatchet. Hatchet. That's another franchise I don't really care about anymore. I, I,
0: um, I think Hatchet's all right. It's all right. It's not good or bad it's mediocre in my
1: opinions you can tell it's made by people who were big fans of the slasher genre and wanted like you know cram it up to 100 percent. but i just never i just never like gone with the sequels uh, the first film i watched and i loved it years ago it was funny for what it was especially the kills but we look back at it now it's just like yeah i mean if i want like you know good horror or like you know just like fun horror I'd watch like you know, like Friday the thirteenth, because this there's a charm to those types of movies or Halloween or Friday um or Hellraiser or even Leprechaun. Like at least um, there's some chase factor to it.
0: Hellraiser one and two because you know.
1: Well the third one was alright, I thought. Uh it's oh, only after I the fourth know. one when it got to the uh, straight to DVD or, or straight to home video release. That's when it started getting yeah, that's when it started getting um Had bad. It.
0: Bye. like um, what's it called <laughs> here's a fucking here's a horror series I'll, I'll say it again I'll explain my reasons right Silent Hill Revelations
1: back to the second film <laughs>
0: Silent Hill Revelations is a fucking abomination on this planet
1: wasn't it rushed or like studio rushed anyway
0: <laughs> no it was rushed the actress was really fucking pretentious
1: i yeah, like, never watched that movie the only thing I know about that movie is that probably Sean Bean survives <laughs> oh,
0: yeah. oh yeah well I can. that's the only positive I can actually give it Sean Bean doesn't fucking die for once
1: yeah.
0: the Bean boy <laughs> it's a positive but it's
1: also a negative because the National Treasure already did that you know what I mean so oh well it <laughs> can't be original on that one
0: <laughs> right, but this is like a horror film where fucking dads are like meant to die because it's meant to be like personal attack isn't it yeah
1: I mean, freaking Sean Bean died in bloody, uh, what's it called again? Death Race 2? You know, that, that movie. <laughs> so you'd figure you'd die in Silent Hill Revelations where, you know, most people die anyway.
0: I saw, I saw a Yorkshire tea advert with Sean Bean and I was like, personally, I was just like, this is fucking fantastic. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's just him being like, do it for yourselves, be proud, and most of all, do it for Yorkshire. Also, there's a meeting on it meeting on Wednesday before
1: 12. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's Sean being all right. <laughs> anyway, back to what you said about Silent Hill before I move on to another franchise because I've already said like five. <laughs> you know what I mean?
0: Silent Hill. Um many okay. more. <laughs> the plot of Silent Hill 3 uh-huh. is that um, Harry Mason, you know, Alessa. Okay, mm-hmm. so this is part of the thingy. Alessa has two halves. One half is heather mason you know the daughter yeah i I disagree at the beginning when she starts screaming silent hill at at the fucking beginning of the film but um like what that what happens on that is um she grows older and she starts getting investigated because there's a cult in silent hill because they have a god that they worship and apparently um Alessa was meant to birth the god, so to say, right? It into existence. So, in the game, what happens is you go through hell high water. Spoiler in the game, uh, Harry Mason does die. Um, Harry Mason does die, and what happens with um, that is he gets killed by a certain monster that name escapes me. to be fucking fair with you, like that was a good that was a good death because it actually gave Heather motivation because before she was just fucking like a scared woman. I mean, you would be very fucking terrified if you just suddenly got pulled into some nightmare world with like fucking a razor head looking motherfuckers.
1: To a pyramid head and all that because that's the only one I recognize the, uh, monster wise
0: okay. so This is my biggest fucking grief with it, right? Pyramid hats. <laughs> Isn't a character and he isn't like, I looked on YouTube the other day and there was this theory and it it was like basic YouTube guy, you know, breathy fucking, oh, what if, who is actually Pyramid? You know, like a breathy, pretty boy voice.
1: What, did it make it into like some kind of like mantle or deity or whatever?
0: No, the because he's an iconic character, I think he is someone, he isn't. In Silent Hill
1: All Two, right, so reason, by making. Him... All right, I say what you mean now. The
0: reason that um he appeared in Silent Hill Two is because he's a manifestation of, of um James uh, James uh, Sunderland's desire to get punished for what he did with his wife. Okay. It, that like, it goes around viol- violating, raping, and killing monsters.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And. Like it's meant to be like he's he's like it's symbolism. Basic bottom line, bottom line is that pyramid head is meant to be a symbolic character because he's um ha- he's um I was gonna say Harry Sunderland is James Sunderland's um desire of getting punished for something getting mm-hmm. his wife, but. Hey, a- screws up the new movie, then. Uh, in sense, in Since script. he's such an iconic character, what yeah. did they do instead? They made him into an actual character. Apparently, he's Alessa's guardian. And that doesn't make fucking sense whatsoever.
1: It goes against the law.
0: <laughs> because Alessa's hatred formed Silent Hill. Mm hmm.
1: Alessa's
0: hatred formed Silent Hill, the one was. And, um,. Yeah. Like in the first game, which is what, which is pretty much what um, uh, the first movie follows. It's like a loose, loosely adapt, like a loose adaptation of it. It gets all, it checks all the box for the right law, but it puts his own little twist and spin on things, which I quite like. Um, Yeah. And fucking man, honestly, it fucking pisses me off to know that like. They did such an amazing first job. Such like a fucking. It was a beautiful first movie. Even for a fucking video game. Like, even for a video game, it was a fucking. It was stellar, in my opinion. But then they had to fuck it up by bringing in fan service. Okay. So, also, the nurses. You know who I'm talking about, don't you?
1: Yeah. Well, because Volu- I can sense a rant coming up here <laughs> the,
0: so, as you know the nurses are like voluptuous women dressed in nurses yeah. costumes but their faces are very distorted, maimed or they just don't exist at all it looks like they're wearing right. masks basically yeah, well, that's, that's, man also also from, that's also from Silent Hill too. because the yeah. nurse is a manifestation of how James views women this sounds SJW but it's true since,
1: well, people have got that iconic uh, design to them as much as Pyramid Head, you know what I mean? Like, if you type in Sight Until you do see the nurses appear on the images, you know what I mean? That's how popular you are.
0: Right, okay. So, okay, right, so, like, you look at a nurse, pretend that's, like, some fucking, like, hot chick or whatever, I don't fucking care, right? If you look at the nurse, right, first thing you notice is a body, isn't it?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's why the face is distorted. It's a it's his mis- misogynistic views towards women for
1: yeah. his wife's death. So basically, like, Sand Hill has like you know like actual reasons and law and like even messages oh. behind each not,
0: not concept. So but the movies.
1: Sorry, I will let you finish. this. said, but the movie. It sounds like what you're um, describing so far. With your white, what should never exist, is video game movies not following the source material. And that's what leads to films like Revelations. Because you know what else is another franchise that doesn't follow the um, source material? Resident Evil. Remember those movies? That's another uh, example of them straying too far away to source material become its own thing. That's just, that's even worse than even the bad Mm -hmm. Resident Evil movie, um, games. And uh, (laughs) say what about Resident Evil? Of course, like Genesis.
0: Um, Sorry, what? You mean the one where Chris punches a fucking literal boulder?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, there's a fucking was it? Retribution and uh, the final chapter when it just like it just get it jumps to shock on those movies. And Extinction was, was pretty bad as well.
0: Oh, Yeah, Extinction was bad. I thought um, Resident Evil Apocalypse was decent because at least we actually got to see Raccoon City and it was pretty accurate.
1: Well, I think like the first two, the first two movies, um, kind I mean, of like. When I mean-
0: Accurate, I meant the city design, like the set. It actually that's what I'm
1: gonna say. Like, it kind of had like the area and the mise-en-scene, yeah. okay, it's just mm-hmm. it's just when it added that bloody character Alice, who's not part of the video game though, or the series in general, it made her like the main protagonist. It's like, where are you guys going with this? All right, I'll mm-hmm. buy it with the first film because they're in a the mansion and it's kind of similar, but I it already
0: falls yeah. and such,
1: yeah, but it still dwells away, like you said, the change. Things for like movies, but it doesn't work out execution wise for movie either way because it ends up being like poorly written, badly acted, and uh, it's not as as high grade as they want it to be. Um, Same with your Resident Evil, uh, sorry, your Silent Hill movie, same with the horror movies I'm talking about, which going going back to like the five series I just listed like that um, Feast and Hostel and uh, even Hatchet, they're just they deserve to be great Zeke type movies, in my opinion. Like, it could be borderline exploitation horror shock. It's just I don't see the point of them existing apart from a bunch of demographics who just want blood and guts and tits and that's it. Which, whatever. If you want to see stuff like that, watch like extreme porn. You know what I mean? I just want to see good horror movies. These days. That's not paranormal. That's not ghosts. That's not a remake of a series because there's already going to be like another. uh Friday the 13th remake, you know what I mean? And that's another thing I want a franchise to die. Leave Friday the 13th from like the original like horror franchises like Halloween alone, you know what I mean? I mean, fair enough, Halloween's got a decent movie last year, but something like Nightmare on M Street, which had a remake, which was god awful, it's going to get oh, another yeah, one,
0: I think, as well. well
1: Just leave it be.
0: Let's be fair, it didn't have Jackie Rail and... Sorry, not Jackie Rail, it didn't have Robert England in it.
1: Robert England, yeah. Well, the guy's, like, pretty old now. I mean, the last time you saw him as Freddy Cook was the Goldbergs. And you could tell he's aged, but it was still fun to see him again, though. Oh, but, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, at the end, it, that's a trope in itself. Just reusing its IPs and just telling the same conventional horror story, you know, like, it could be a virgin girl, Um, you know, like, try to stop a monster. It could be, like, a backstory origins of, like, a misunderstood creature like Jason or Hatchet, you know, when, like, they end up becoming demons and kill anyone. that oh, that's okay. like, has sex teenagers...
0: Oh, Leatherface, um, because he's that, mentally what,
1: impaired. That's another series that shouldn't have, like, been remade twice. Because, <laughs> um, like, that one's weird, though, because the original sequels, like the Next Generation one and all that, were already just fucking weird. The first one was good enough as it is, as a contained story. And that's another thing I hear on some franchises, like Aliens. Uh, Aliens, sorry. That, that I know we're jumping, but, like, you know what? we're both tired and drunk. <laughs> well, I am anyway. But all the what I'm trying yeah. to say is though, Alien should have been a self-contained story, but the sequel was just as worthy because I like how they expanded, but it dwelled away from the original concept of a mysterious alien, like Xenomorph. And when it got to Alien 3, the franchise was going downhill from there and it just stretched the concept into like three more movies, including crossovers. And it was like, it didn't need to be done like that. It should have just yeah. stuck to either one movie or like, after aliens, just like that, same with Terminator, like those franchises, like right, you know, as iconic as they are, like Jurassic Park, they should have just stopped at the at the mm-hmm. prime time while they still had the chance. Like Jurassic Park, mm-hmm. for instance, personally, I think it should have stopped in the first film. I wouldn't mind if it ended on the second one afterwards because it was, it did feel similar to the first one, but it wasn't as good, and it was a bit more darker. So whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, Terminator, personally. Um, I think it should have stopped on the first film even though the second film was really good I figured it was already alright it was already good enough as the first film but that's that's another opinion for another day so you know come at me people <laughs> um, and yeah and like Alien I should have stopped that movie too you know what I mean and uh, and the horror franchise uh, um, genre needs a, a new refamp. I think it nearly did in the uh, late 90s when they had the fan footage and you had the teen slashes like I Know What You Did Last Summer and Your Favourite Scream, those two types mm. of movies. And then you had the Rob Zombie kind of epidemic um, when um, The Devil's uh, Rejects and Thousand Corpses came out in the early 2000s, which brought the whole you know the stuff I'm not a big fan of, like the gore fest, schlock exploitation kind of movies, like Grindhouse, but for horror. It, it's got that kind of grittiness to it. Mm. It's, it's Like I said, it's just fan service for like the more edgy horror fans. No disrespect to anyone who enjoys these movies. I mean, I, I did years ago, but it, it don't feel like, you know, like movies I would go back and watch and be like, yeah, I think this is like, you know, good, good, good story. You know what I mean? Even though it's not designed as that. But at the end of it, some of the franchises that come out of it, especially like sequels to like movies, like good movies like The Descent, when the second movie um, was really bad and it kind of like tainted the first movie. Stuff like that needs to be eradicated in my opinion. It should never exist. Mm. In franchises, like I said, Feast and uh, freaking Hatchet, and like even bloody uh, excuse me, even even films like freaking, like I said, Hostel and even Saw, so, after the first film, shouldn't have happened. It's mm-hmm. just, it's, I'm idea. it's just a company that wants to make more money off the same tropes, you know. Like, I know we're kind of skipping stones here, but hopefully, people will understand what we're trying to say here, is that uh, they need to stop milking, it's time uh, to stop it's time to stop Papa Franco yeah. said the best they need to stop with the bloody uh, ideas that they think will make more money for them and don't realise that the story they told originally should have been alright as it's own story closure that goes for all movies in history but horror specifically for me because that genre is dying out more than any other aside from stuff like westerns and all that so yeah that's my little five minute raspy rant because you know I'm half dead here
0: yeah. <laughs> Well, before we end this segment, I'm going to keep going on with the Silent Hill rant because Silent Hill is a very...
1: <laughs> you really hit that second movie,
0: don't you? <laughs> I... Uh, <laughs> should, uh, plague. It should never existed in the fucking first place.
1: Now you know why I ranted about the last two minutes, mate. Things like, you know, that kind of movie should never uh, have been even an idea come to life or give money. I mean, it's fucking perfect, but... That's the world we live in.
0: <laughs> right, anyways. Go ahead. Sound hell. So like I was saying with the nurse uh, the nurse and uh Pyramid Head. So like the nurse is meant to be like sexualization and the misogynist the misogynistic behavior towards women from James Sunderland. And Pyramid Head is his desire to be like punished and tortured. Mm-hmm. Um the thing about when they put them in the films, I get it that they're iconic characters. But they already have symbology behind them. Very. Yeah, they can't rely
1: on just fan service because of the imagery alone. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Like I mean,
1: that's the problem with Star Wars as well. Like they rely too much on, like, oh, you remember this? Do you remember that? Oh, look how iconic this character is. Look what we're doing with him. Instead of just you know, focus on the actual character,
0: behind it, so, the motivation behind it. Is I'm going to read like, a passage from Pyramid's char- character. Go ahead, man. Or as he's known as in um <coughs> Japan, Akai his name is Akai Sankakuto, which is um, the red the red pyramid. Or Sankaku Atama. For, triangle right. head. <laughs> um, as as it yeah, I'll tell you what, I got my fucking pronunciations on point there. Didn't give a shit for that.
1: No, you do better than that, ever will when it comes to pronunciations, let me tell you. Oh
0: uh, fucking scrolling up, I'm trying to find the thing because he doesn't, in Silent Hill um, Homecoming he doesn't call he doesn't get like um, what's it called he doesn't um. I forgot what I was going to say <laughs> <laughs>
1: That seems to be the consistency of our podcast forgetting what we're seeing
0: Yeah, I mean like oh, hold up, right So What's, what he is is his um symbology is that he is basically like I said he's James's desire to get punished mm-hmm. for what he, for what he did because um his wife was struggling from was like dying slowly from a disease. Okay, he was she was dying slowly from a disease. And she just—it's—it's it's really sad. She was dying slowly from a disease. There was nothing they could do, so she literally had to wait for death. Mm-hmm. And Mary, Mary, um, asked James to basically, you know, euthanize her by smothering her with a pillow. Yeah, like
1: it's just suicide, basically. Yeah.
0: To put her out of her misery basically because she was in extreme pain and she couldn't do anything about it. So she just asked her loved one to offer.
1: I mean it's the most humane way you could do it to someone you love, you know what I
0: mean? Aye. Uh, he represents he does represent um like I said, he is uh James's wish to be punished for his wife's death. All right. And um he's was the reason he was so positively received is because he was always this looming figure in the background, right? Like he was always in the background, apart from the boss fights where you actually had to fight him. But um, he was always like looming in the background, dragging that giant knife around, violating and raping monsters before killing them. Um, right. that's, so it's like the thoughts, oh, the its always in the back of his psyche, but it's always watching him and you know twisting other thoughts on on themselves. Yeah. That's what I like the most about it because that's what Pyramid it, it, Head is. He was just that character because he fitted so well just for the symbology. He's a desire to, he is the living embodiment of, well, self flagration or self torture.
1: This it sounds like uh, the movie's for interpretation, it sounds like a good old, if it ain't broke, don't fix situation, but it gone and changed and reconned the Pyramid's Heads. Backstory, either way. You know I mean, I think that sounds like the most pissy moment in that movie, of pissy moments, judging from the well, conversation having,
0: you see, uh, You see, you see, Brian, what they did on that, and I'm starting to get a bit pissed off with it, because I fucking finally realised how dear to the series Pyramid Head is, yeah. and they had him as a lesser's guardian, or just some Local bo- bogeyman, but yeah. I understand if he's like the walking embodiment of Alyssa's hatred. If it is a loose adaptation, mm-hmm. the whole town when it goes to shit, like when everything starts rusting, that siren goes off. That's when everything goes to shit. That's when all the fucking like ghouls and monsters come out. But also, it might be an embodiment of Alyssa when she is you know when she, her hatred it's just incarnate instead of the town itself
1: yeah
0: it's around punishing people by itself but then the second film it was just her guardian all along like it fought fort- <laughs> <laughs> you can't control someone's death wish <laughs> <laughs> you can't fucking do that honestly what the fuck man like
1: that's why you need solid writers who know what they're writing
0: and not exactly. just hacks exactly <laughs> that's I bet you they didn't even play a fucking Silent Hill three I doubt right hold up hold up I'm gonna fucking quickly sketch this up and I'm sorry if it goes off early, but this is needs to be fucking thingy is pyramid head in Silent Hill
1: three <laughs> is' in German Jack's brought his blowing point because of a shitty movie <laughs> that destroyed his beloved franchise
0: no he isn't not from hey, what I say. He's not in Silent Hill three. So if fucking So tell me that tell me this. If Silent Hill Revelations is meant to be a loose adaptation of Silent Hill 3, why yeah, the why fuck is it is edited?
1: <laughs> Again, mate, it's just literally uh I, IP one, in video game that they want to make a move out of it and they used like characters that no no like casual fans will recognise and shove it into their own shitty script. And it just is used the brand not- recognition. They do that all that's the time cool. with like you know like Tom and Jerry and all that like cartoons like actual adults. Kind of... I
0: told you how powerful Shatterstar is. <laughs> the guy who made Mephisto shit himself. Yeah. Um, but like I was saying, fucking why? That's all I want to know. Why?
1: <laughs> you telling me, man? That's Hollywood hacks for you. <laughs>
0: oh, you see right. That's the thing. I get he's iconic. I get he's like. You see him and you instantly think Silent Hill. I get that. And plus, it's even said in the lore of Silent Hill, everybody has a different Silent Hill. They'll look the same, but they'll have different monsters, different twists and turns, different tortures laid out for them. Mm-hmm. Everybody's Silent Hill is weird different. But the thing is, with the Silent Hill 2. The reason it's the same as James's almost is because Claudia Wolf, the main antagonist of Silent Hill Two, is trying to bring God back to life, which she doesn't do in the fucking movie, because it, right. So, so Heather's given this pill, and basically what she does at the near end of the game, before the final boss fight, which is God, is she swallows the pill, and. Okay. What Claudia Wolf has been doing this entire time has been enroaching her, making her angry, feel negative thoughts so that the womb of God, the womb of God could build up in her. Because mm-hmm. it, it doesn't feed on food or anything. It feeds on negativity and dark thoughts. Right. And what happens is that she vomits up the fetus. Or not the fetus, the embryo of it. Right. She vomits it up. And Claudia panics. So what does she do? She picks it up and she swallows it, but she can't contain the power of God. So she falls down this hole. So you, follow, you follow her and there's a heart. God does get birth, but it's only half of him. It's oh, only I'm half happy. of him, And you have to fight her and you do kill her in the end. Right. But like, what I don't understand at the end of the film, so there's another character called Travis Grady from Silent Hill Origins you know the trucker guy at the end of the film. Mm-hmm. He's the only guy who can go between the real world and Silent Hill. Do they
1: explain that by chance?
0: Yeah, well, basically he can go through mirrors. Okay. To get to get into Silent Hill or like a warped version of where he is. Right. Which I have to admit would be a sick thing for like a Silent Hill top-down Diablo-style game, which does exist called Book of Memories. It's a decent game, I guess. But um, mm. Travis Grady, what the fuck has he got to do with Heather? And why the fuck so does it just say oh yeah, he can travel between like the dimensional planes and everything? It's so not explained. Because even was, he gets... He always
1: his always for the sake of the plot, like that kind of situation.
0: It's... Yeah, basically. And I think they were going to make a third movie with Travis.
1: But... Gee, like, G- yeah, I wonder why it's cancelled.
0: <laughs> I fucking... That film is fucking abominable, right Brandon, one day I will fucking find that film and right you'll the only way me and you are gonna sit down and watch it so you can experience the same thing as me because we'll get both of them. We'll get Silent Hill one and two, right? We'll sit down and watch them, but you have to fucking pay me to watch Silent Hill two revelation <laughs> to watch the fucking thing. Yeah. It's like,
1: mate, uh, I'm gonna have to play the games again, all over again, and get my mind refreshed if I want to feel the same pain as you when it comes to uh, revelations. Man, it sounds I like a freaking raped your childhood,
0: <laughs> it, it, it's violated my childhood. Took us to court, and I've forgotten where he touched us, so he got let off with the case.
1: <laughs> the divorce bill was just humongous.
0: A humongous, I remember that. Fucking hell, fucking hell. all right, hell. my fucking so- man. Anyways, the next I should definitely
1: close our segment there because I've said enough. Of what I can say, given okay. my freaking off my
0: first rant in the podcast, because I'm normally the chill guy who listens to everything. But you want to know something? Silent Hill is one of my biggest passions of all time, and it got fucking violated by the studio that made Silent Hill Revelation. So I, that studio, never make a like a video game for again, and stop. Abusing my childhood like an uncle abuses their fucking young nephew at six by playing hide and yeah,
1: sausage. I well, thanks for ruining my idea. <laughs> um, my ladies sh- and gentlemen, what Jack just said there is a good example of someone who takes their work, um, video game series to the heart and they don't the want to say butchered by people with minimum effort and compassion on a project that wastes money overall for both sides. And creates, like I said, a movie sh- that should never existed. First, creating a franchise that shouldn't have been a thing in the first place in terms of movie interpretations or adaptions or however you want to call it. I'll, yeah. I'll say this and I'll say it again, but in the future, I'll go into detail on specific ones like Jack has today. But for, for now, in general, keep modern day horror away from me and any series like Jurassic Park and Terminator needs to die off now. And for Jack, could be said as the same criteria. Silent Hill shouldn't have made, been made, in the, uh, the sequel shouldn't have been made if it was going to be made by the same ticket who did it now. And it goes against everything that the video game stands for. If you want good interpretations like, let's say, The Shining, which was its own thing, but it was written well, directed well, key difference, to the point where you can separate that from the original author's source material, fair enough. But when you do it in a half hour attempt, while also just adding shit just because you couldn't think of anything decent to write for a script, that's when people are gonna lose the, you know their mind, like Jack just did there a minute ago. So life lesson, people. If you see a franchise that's been going on for so long, expect some duds. And you're gonna wish that it's just stuck to it like what it's originally supposed to be as, no matter how grand scale it is. Anyway, that's our last that's our segment um,
0: over this. We've got one more segment, which is my king is a tiering list. Yo oh boss, you. I'm, I'm gonna look forward to just gushing all over King Gizzard for this and I'll even get up the picture of the tier list for myself so that I can keep myself on track. So as Matthew look look. <laughs> I'll be right back.
1: Sure, folks.
0: All right. So uh Brandon, did you know I made a King Gizzard tier list?
1: Oh absolutely. And it's absolutely. uh how shall I put it? Manipa. Very gizzardly, That's one would my put it.
0: Wizard, oh. gizzard, it's, shirt, yeah. it's very chinny, winny, gizzy, lizzy.
1: Mm-hmm. Stick him. Catch him in, so, in the act.
0: Catch him um, in the act. So, what I did is I, since I have a passion for King Gizzard, mm-hmm. I decided to make a tier list with Tea Maker. And I made my own, like, tier, tier, tiers of uh, the LPs that they had with two EPs, which is Quarters and oddments. Because, I mean, they deserve a chance because they have some popular songs on it, like um, Hot Wax and s- stuff like that.
1: Right. So it has, like, re rehearing um, uh, moment. What's the word I'm looking for again? Like, you go back and hear it because it has that kind of, like... Yeah. What's that uh, I'm looking for? fuck's sake. Uh, <laughs> ability, that's the word. It has yeah. that kind of ability.
0: So, at um, D tier, I have, first of all, um, D tier doesn't mean lowest of the law. It just means like, I didn't enjoy it as much as I thought and it's below mediocre in my opinion. As we know, music is very subjective. Mm-hmm. You know. So, there's Pit machine Dream Blue. I didn't quite like that because on fact it was it just didn't resonate with us like I really really wanted to get into it like some songs on it were really fucking good but I just couldn't and it like it did upset us a bit because like I'm trying to like expand what I listen to and I thought listen like some really heavy psychedelic stuff was like going to be a charm but obviously not so moving on to the next one is Sketches of East Brunswick. Um,
1: Sounds which interesting. Is, that
0: which one also has Mild High Club, who okay. are a jazz-oriented group. This is like a jazz fusion record. And okay, like I get it. It's something different for Gizzards, since they used to do the psychedelic stuff. Um, I also I also sent you the T list so I can keep on track. Um. And then the final one is their debut album and shoot me for this but 12 bar bruise didn't really thing with me i understand that it's a debut album and debut albums are meant to like push them forward and say like this is what we're like but they've released better albums since then and it just feels like 12 bar bruise is a bit of a downgrade
1: would you say it feels like a prototype for the better like works and later on
0: for prototype, but it also is a bit of a. It's also a bit of a like stab through the chest for them, because they were because like trying thingy of psyche, but yet they like went on to do like some metal songs, some fucking like. Um, jazz, like I mentioned with Brun- East Brunswick.
1: Mm-hmm. They try and element some like, and try combine some elements of other of genre music yeah. with their main factor and try and like make something out of it
0: yeah so right. moving on to c tier let's see what's in c
1: c tier it is
0: um, is it up to
1: s by chance because i know s is normally like the best one isn't it like high F-C rank is
0: the highest, yes
1: all right and then you have b and c or do you have a and a plus so bc goes
0: from s a b c d for this one
1: oh yeah well c tier here we go
0: so, c tier is float along fill fill your lungs It's normally a gateway for Gizzard fans. okay. But I found it just regular. I didn't see anything too special in it. It's really good, though. But I just didn't see what was so gateway-ish about it. And I'm a late Gizzard fan. I didn't listen since I joined around when um, Fishing for Fishies was about to get released and people were still going on about Gumboot Soup. Um, So I don't really have much of an opinion, but, you know, um, fill your lungs. It's all right, but it didn't really have much.
1: Uh This is like borderline, like mediocre, below average kind of like category at this point.
0: This is like mediocre bottom. Okay. Between the grades, so to say. Between mediocre and between not interested.
1: Alright, like they could have done better, but um it was okay for what they were known and established as established us in terms of their music abilities.
0: Yeah. Gotcha. And if I look forth, we got Quarters, which is an okay album. It's higher, in my opinion, in C tier wise to um float along fill your lungs. Uh-huh. Which I'm like, oh, yeah. I like it. The river was a fantastic song on it, but everything else just felt overshadowed by that song.
1: Ah, so it kind of ruins the flow of the album, uh, yeah, of the whole thing.
0: It just blows itself out of the water, so to say.
1: Oh, like yeah, it does kind of suck when we recognize that album for that one catchy song.
0: From one film, you suck my battleship!
1: <laughs> oh dear. You <laughs> knew that the biggest enemy. Was their number one hit? <laughs> How ironic!
0: Uh, but yeah, now we go on to B tier.
1: Ooh, straight to B tier. Let's go.
0: tier. this is the just the flat. I'm regular with this type thing. Like, is, I'm
1: okay to put this on the back of the radio kind of stuff. You know, when you're yeah, doing the homework,
0: to listen to right. this. I won't be like super involved in it. Right. right, go ahead. So the first one is gumboot soup. Okay, gumboot soup is good. It is really good. It's good for a chilling out album to just stick on in the background and thingy. Like, Beginner's Look and Muddy Waters. Those are some fucking
1: amazing hmm. songs. Those are some... I'm not going to like That title song. All right. Yeah, so it's kind of like more chilling, would you say?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: All right. With a name like that, it sounds like a bloody pop-punk album cover, doesn't it? oh Soup.
0: Or <laughs> Gum Boot Soup.
1: Dumb boots.
0: Yeah, um, and then I probably said that
1: correctly, but my voice is that bad, it ends up sounding like a different language at this point. So, if I can chew back up, pre I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> wow, that was pretty good.
0: Really good. Holy shit, <laughs> what, what is this back? power? I've become great. I think I need ah. to get Kashuk, actually.
1: God, are you sure you're not the one who hasn't been drinking here tonight, Mara?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, the last one on B tier because B tier's only got two in this, um, C is Polygon of Wonderland.
1: Polygon of Wonderland, that sounds all right. That title Polygon sounds fine, uh, intriguing. actually.
0: It's a very psychedelic, album. It's so good. The title track, Polygon of Land. Oh mm-hmm. my god. God, it's such a trip. It's like a really thing. Like, you could fucking take Acid as the song and get mad good vibes off it.
1: <laughs> I laugh me out off if you take LSD and it sounds like a very conventional uh, album. It sounds boring. It's like, oh. It's It sounds fucking weird.
0: You see, right? I don't advocate... By the way, I don't advocate drug, drugs or anything. I'm just saying this is psychedelic, so you know, I might as well go the full fucking mile. <laughs>
1: don't worry, Jack. We all... We all know that you don't do jokes, don't worry. We know you're a good boy. <laughs> I'm trying to cover your ass in Phil. Looks like we'll be moving on like, the eight, You now. Like
0: fucking, I sound like fucking Alex, Jones. What do I do, Lord? Destroy the child. Corrupt them all.
1: <laughs> Turn,
0: the <laughs> comes Turn the fucking fox, guy! Phone the into and Turn the fucking fox, guy! If it was Uh, the green
1: goblin, it would have been turned the fruitcakes gay.
0: I gave you fruitcakes and you turned the frogs gay.
1: Anyway, moving on to Um, the E tier, my friend, because we've got two columns left.
0: Ear tier. And this has got the most out of them. This has got the most albums. This is the first one is I've mentioned this before in my recommendation. Flying microtonal banana.
1: Oh, what a what a quintessential name that is!
0: <laughs> the entire, it's such an interesting album. It nice because it's all in microtone. It's microtonal music.
1: Hmm. Which uh, you definitely mentioned, mentioned early on in this podcast I did, I about.
0: So basically, what happens is um, is we're not used to microtones because we don't hear it normally in our songs because it sounds very yeah, different. it's
1: not in like most conventional Western music and yeah. it's more for like the Eastern kind of but news, east, instrumental.
0: But In the fucking east. <laughs> in the fucking East it's stellar music like fucking Indians have a load of microtonal music sitars sitars yeah. are microtonal if you tune them properly mm-hmm. um, take have you heard Do It Again by Steely Dan
1: oh yeah I remember
0: that you know the sitar right. you know
1: you know you know solo yeah yeah
0: mm-hmm but like um Rattlesnakes is on it, just... it, uh Nuclear Fusion. Nuclear Fusion's a really good song. Um no. and uh all that other thing. But and the next one is I'm in your mind fuzz. In I'm in your mind fuzz was my gateway.
1: Okay.
0: It's I can't I can't words don't fucking explain how good of a fucking album That's... it is. Good. Um,
1: hey, Jack, you know you can't explain. Explain.
0: I can't explain. It's a, it's very fucking can't explain. A fucking, uh,
1: that literally sums podcast so far. We can't explain. Cellophane. <laughs>
0: so I got into the song um, "Am I in Heaven," and then it dropped off right. "Hot Water," and then the most known song on the on the um, album "Cellophane," which was pretty fucking decent. But I also got into Satan Speeds Up, which is a fucking good song. Yeah. Uh,
1: is that album, is this is this album, like, literally the uh, the most iconic from that band? Because it sounds like a judge of what you say.
0: Fly Microtonal Banana, and I would say, in my eyes, Fly Microtonal Banana, Poly- Poly- Polygon of One Land, um, Float Along, Fill Your Lungs, and Nanagon Infinity would be the quintessential, so to say.
1: Uh. Um, so they're definitely, like, one, like one we'll reference earlier entry-level uh, yeah. recommendations. Um, but-
0: the next one is Oddments. Oddments is a collection of songs that didn't make it onto their, like, first album, I think, or their second album. So they just compiled it, into it was like, a, like, an EP. And one oh, of the like, like- famous songs off it was um, Hot Wax, which is quite a decent song. It sounds like um, one of those swing-type songs, like Fats Domino and everyone used to do. All right. Um, Like, it's got a very, like, old-timey feel to it.
1: Which, it's kind of retro, in a way.
0: Oh, King Gizzard makes them, like, they're really good with their producing. Like, their song Cybuggy sounds like it was made in, like, the early 70s or the early 80s, you know, when everybody was going through that sci-fi craze.
1: Oh, like Hawkwind and all that, yeah.
0: Like, it was, like, a Red Dwarf thing.
1: <laughs> it was a Red Dwarf thing wait are you telling me King Gizzard is secretly Red Dwarf but musically
0: oh my if so they appear on Red, Red Dwarf. Dwarf I'll probably kill them. I'll probably die happily just right then and there just fucking fall over and <laughs> die that's, yeah, I that's cool. <laughs> um and the last one in here, to Eyes in the Sky Eyes in the Sky is a fucking... oh, I love it it's, it's good it's really...
1: Eyes in the Sky it was their it definitely second... sounds like water from middle of the it was
0: their second <laughs> album believe it or not it was
1: only, and obviously second was the better see, of the uh,
0: first. It was it's um kind of garage garage rock, but it's also and you're not gonna and this is going to be unbelievable for you. It's a it's got some spaghetti western elements to it.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: And it's um described as like a cult western audio book, so so it's like. And uh, so does pay to, like, it pay you how know, much like
1: like music that you hear like bloody, like you know like a, a dollars full of trilogy and all that
0: mm-hmm. like
1: anything that Glenn Eastwood did and any uh, yeah. movies that I
0: think uh, it's, um Stu McKenzie, the vocalist said like okay. I love western films I love bad guys I love Red Dead Redemption or oh, and I love um evil guitars <laughs> that's why I that's why it was made. Down, down. Yeah, like,
1: yeah, you can't go wrong with spaghetti western music, man. Like, Especially when it's done by the guy who did uh, the Sergio Sergio Leon movies, like The Good and Bad and Ugly, and all that. And like yeah. I mentioned, The Fistful of Dollars trilogy. Which yeah. Is basically, the bad movie, but you know, I digress. Um, um, and now on to the Mightiest S tier. I'm
0: saving S-tier. the best for last. I'm saving the best for last. So there's Murder of the Universe, which is a spoken word album. Kind of like what Christopher Lee used to do.
1: Mhm. Oh know. yeah, because he did metal albums, didn't he?
0: He did metal albums, but it was spoken word stuff as well.
1: Uh, well, he has that kind of voice, doesn't he? I mean. Oh yeah. So. It's congr- a
0: very commanding voice.
1: Aye, uh, he'd be good for like a narr- for a narrator for anything. You know what I mean? Oh, so. Mix that in his own music.
0: I'll tell you who would make a fucking perfect narrator in my eyes. All right. <laughs> Tommy was all. <laughs> you imagine him reading no, the, gr- like the law. <laughs> or like uh,
1: oh, or the Cat in the Hat. I imagine that.
0: <laughs> and he came out of the room and he said, "I'm the Cat in Hat." <laughs> Get
1: ready, Pink One and Pink Two. You tearing me apart, children. <laughs> God.
0: That's yeah, a movie we need like, to
1: watch one like, by ourselves. <laughs> the room
0: <laughs> what a story, Zeus. <laughs> 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 um,
1: right. Moving on to the last, last couple on S because I'm definitely dying inside. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then we have Fishing for Fishies, which is our latest album. Um mm-hmm. and it's such a good song. It's such good songs. They are fucking composed really well. I think one of my favorite songs on fishing for fishy is definitely without fucking doubt plastic buggy which is literally an environmental song plastic boogie plastic boogie
1: oh classic boogie classic oh yeah, yeah. I'd sell it right, don't worry <laughs> I didn't fuck up just be worse.
0: on okay.
1: right, do you explain this final one then my man
0: and my fucking all time Favourite King Gizzard and the and the Lizard Wizard fucking album tier None Are Gone Infinity. The oh wow, super, <laughs> that sounds very chiok, that one. The superficial infinity album itself. The one the one speak. album in their entire discography where you could where literally it's an endless album because it just loops straight back to the beginning.
1: We mentioned about this earlier on as well, didn't we? It was we did, that
0: album. yes, we did. I was explaining about um, Lou Reed's met, um, Metal Machine use music, but I can fucking uh, tell you this for nothing. None of Infinity is a definitive piece of work like King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. I don't care what anybody says.
1: And it's your number one standard for what what psychedelic rock can be achieved at its best, especially from oh. a band as King Gizzard.
0: Yeah, literally, right, they shouldn't be, like, very, you know, if you want to be psychedelic, just be yourself, don't try and be pretentious to be like, oh, we're going to be like, we're going to have weird licks all the time, and we're going to have, like, very drawing licks, you know, try and be an artsy-fartsy cunt like Ono or Yo- o- what's the name, Yoko Ono was? I always thought was
1: Oh, well, everyone but the dog knows that that thing is this. Uh, you know, way out there in terms of pretentiousness. You know what I mean? Crying out Um, like controversial people, but I never was a fan of John Lennon's uh, work. Like you know, like post Beatles because it just became very preachy, and that's what mm. you call those psychedelic so-called works. Well, I like,
0: like that. I like preachy. that one from the Beatles that uh, Ringo wrote. I think it was Octopus's Garden.
1: It's very, it's very innocent that song.
0: It, it is. You hear on
1: like BBs.
0: Exactly, and like, it does feel that Ringo isn't like a weak link in the Beatles. He actually like can make really good music and composition.
1: Yeah, he seems the most wholesome, I'd imagine. But Paul McCartney always seemed like it's the dorky, lovable one, and uh, John Lennon was always like the, uh, like him and George Harrison, like kind of the soul winner. So you yeah. got that going. But anyway, back to what I was gonna talk about about psychedelic though before we wrap oh, things up. Oh, I also oh. just like kind of like
0: also what? one more thing. Oh god, let's... King Gizzard are releasing a new album on the 16th of August called Infest the Rat's Nest. And it's a thrash metal album. Thrash metal. It's a thrash metal album, yes.
1: <laughs> hopefully the goal I like be he muffin hopefully it pays off, you know what I mean? Or like Rotten Crest would have changed like, the direction all the time. Figures crossed because it seems like a band that doesn't like let go of themselves straight away. So you heard that ladies yes. and gentlemen. If you're still interested in King Gizzard, check out the new album this year. All
0: right. They said that the um, their main influences for this band is Metallica, Slayer, Exodus, Creator and Overkill.
1: Creator and Exodus. That's uh, going to be an
0: interesting uh, tune. <laughs> well, aye. I- but that's how I can give it to you. And this has been the Omnicast.
1: Yeah. And before, like, we finish off, because I was trying to explain myself three times. Before you interrupted me. Sorry! Joking aside. Psychedelic, back to that um, overall summary. I also saw as, like, kind of, like, um, kind of like a spiritual kind of uh, music. It's never meant to be written as, like, some kind of, like, work of art for the history books. Or made to try to be very technical or like you know like you want to be like alternative it always seems like something that your mind can like smooth back to while you're relaxing. Same way as lo-fi music can be if it's done right.
0: I mean you know me I'm pretty fucking like stressed person. Yeah. So okay. this is the music that's right back of Yali. You know I mean yes, it always fucking like manages to chill us. <sighs> I mean I'm trying to get through nonagon infinity right with no fucking interruptions, but I keep do Every time... Okay. So, every time I get to one certain track and I know what this track is... Um, Fucking... I'm just going to go back to this thingy because I've got information up on the screen. Uh, All right. Because None of Gone Infinity was made a hell of a way back. It has been in 2016. Um... I always get a one track and I I can't go further because I always get interrupted and that is People, Vultures. Okay. So I get through Robot Stop, Big Fig Wasp and Gamma Knife which are fucking stellar opening songs but I've never gotten past People, Vultures but I, I don't want to just like pick the album up from where I left off because that would ruin the entire experience if it's meant to be played in its entirety in one go.
1: Just like Tills with their albums. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So All right. tomorrow. I might actually um I might actually do like like an hour to get the gear isn't it?
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. It is. Yeah.
0: Right. so I'm gonna fucking stick Nanagon Infinity on, on the bus and fucking just rock out.
1: <laughs> and I'm gonna to go to sleep before I go to work because you know, adulthood sucks.
0: Oh yeah. Anyway, this has been the Omnicast. I have been Jackie Atlas.
1: And I'm Baron Morgwus.
0: And this is uh, the Omnicast signing out. Over and out. Take care, kids. Likewise.